Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back to the second hour here of the Morning Tailgate here. It's Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, myself, Clay Baker. We're here for you for the next two hours and a lot to get into as we'll talk about, you know, the Raiders as they have now uh, you know, moved out of mini camp and now into the rest before training camp begins. We'll talk about what they should be happy with as well as maybe even talk about what Derek Carr could be in for this year and a possible breakout season. 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line because you deserve what's right. And you can also hit us up on Twitter at rnr 920 am broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And joining us now is our very good friend, Jason Fitz, from ESPN and Raider Nation's Grammy winner. He joins us every Tuesday at this time. And Jason, it's awesome having you on. Thank you for being here with us. You know, on the Sports Center, we had a good laugh yesterday as we saw, I think it was first take rather, uh, in the morning that they were blowing up on the Devontae Adams comment from last Thursday where he compared Aaron Rodgers with Derek Carr. He was being asked that question in a presser. And even though he prefaced it all with like, well, that's like comparing apples with oranges, people want to take it and exploit it as far as they can possibly go and see where it lands. And it really doesn't do anything. It, it just kind of like got mired in a ditch and died. <laughs> yeah, well, the problem is uh, when you start talking about a comparison to Aaron Rodgers, you start talking about the comparison to one of the best of all time. I don't think that's fair for anybody. So the question becomes not is Derek Carr the next Aaron Rodgers in that sense. The question becomes can he match the production that Aaron Rodgers has matched? I think they're very like there's a nuanced difference to those conversations. Hmm. Derek Carr is not and never will be Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that, that – but that's also like saying – you know, somebody has to be the next Prince or somebody has to be the next Michael Jackson or somebody has to be the next TV wonder. Like, none of that's true. The question in my mind is, can Derek Carr put up Aaron Rodgers-like production with Devontae in this offense? And the answer to that is absolutely. Like, I think, you know, when you start talking about expectations, it is very clear that there should be, I think, a, a very clear expectation for this to be a top-five offense in the NFL. And then I mean top-five in every possible way. This should be a top-five scoring offense. This should be a top-five yardage offense. This should be a top-five time of possession offense. Like the, the capability is all there. So if it doesn't happen, then, yeah, I think there'll be some question marks about Derek, right or wrong. But the, the question is, can he put up Rodgers-like numbers? The answer to that is absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree, Jason. Uh, sometimes I do wonder if the producers uh, of some of these shows uh, actually think that somebody like Devontae Adams just called us all together and said, hey, guys, I got something to say. I want to I want to compare <laughs> Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr right now. Listen up and, uh, you know, uh, turn on the microphones because here we go. It's completely the opposite. It's somebody asked him that question, and, and as he's answering it, you can see the wheels spinning like, how am I going to say this? <laughs> That doesn't offend anybody. That doesn't make it sound like I'm actually comparing Derek Carr to Aaron Rodgers and vice versa. So I just hope that and wish that sometimes that is uh, presented in a better way. That uh, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like I've done, I've been on first take before, and I can like I'll be very real about what that process is like and what happens. Like I did it a couple of years ago, and it was me and Damian Woody. And Woody is the nicest guy in the right, world, right? Yeah. And we're buddies, and like so we walked into that production meeting and. 
they what they do is they present sound clips like because none of us can watch and read and listen to all Everything. of it so like okay. they, they would they would come in and say okay well for this example i wasn't in the room for Devante, but i can imagine because of my experience that somebody plays during the production meeting they play the, the audio just the response to the right, question right and then you know one of the producers says so what do you think Derek Carr, the next aaron Rodgers." and the number of times i was sitting in the room and woody woody's answered everything was like could be. I mean, we don't know, and that's why, that's also why Damian Woody's not on first take anymore, right? Like, because they want people to come in and be right. very definitive, you know. And so, like to a fault, the first take process has always been built, and all of these debate shows are built around take a side and argue for that side. Sure. And so, if you if you believe just enough in it, you can find yourself in that situation. But yeah, you're right. Like nuance is, is lost in the number of times. That one thing that I, I will constantly give Sarah Spain credit for. When we go in to prep our show at night and somebody plays this audio, 99% of the time she says, can you play me the question? I want to know what he was responding exactly. to. And like, that one moment would change the way we perceive all of these conversations. Because like, Devontae's in a no-win situation. If he says Derek Carr's not the next Aaron Rodgers, we'll twist it that he doesn't believe in Derek Carr. If he says, yeah, heck yeah, then it's, well, he didn't love Aaron Rodgers. Like, he, he, he's damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. It's a, you're right, it's a terrible situation. Well, and we could, be, we could spend a whole lot of time on this subject because even a tweet all of a sudden gets taken in a direction that you're like, wait, that's not what I meant when I tweeted that. Um, and it's just fascinating to sometimes see how people want to interpret things. But uh, I digress. Uh, those are uh, conversations that we could have at journalism school and, and all that in conferences and, and speak a lot about it and take a lot of time to talk about it. Uh, but when we look at the Raiders, uh, uh, Jason, and we were talking about this yesterday, I want to ask you this. Uh, if this doesn't work um, for whatever reason, uh, what... what 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 becomes sort of the opinion of Derek Carr? Um, I, I don't think it's going to be his fault at the end of the year. I don't think that he will be the guy that we look to and say that was the reason why this didn't work. Um, but, you know, fair or not, maybe that's what's going to happen because he is the quarterback of the team. Yeah, yeah I think you got to look at the sales pitch for everybody, right? And so here's what we know. Uh, Ziegler and McDaniels are going to get every opportunity to build this the right way. And I think, you know, even if things went wildly off the rails, they're going to get three to five years anyway, because that's, that's only fair to what, what it looks like for their system. So then if it doesn't work and you look around, and, and this will be the narrative, if it doesn't work, you'll look around and say, okay, you had Waller, you had Renfro who got paid rightfully so, you had Adams who got paid rightfully so. Whatever the conversation is that happens on Twitter all the time about did the defense hold up their own, if the Raiders' offense is not a top-five offense, then the easiest thing for everybody to do is then say, well, that's because you don't have the right quarterback. And then it becomes the easy, you know, the easy change here is, well, we just got to find the right quarterback with all right. these weapons. We can be great. It's, a, it's an easy sales pitch, and it's an easy fix. The, the hardest part about all of this, just being real, and I've, I've talked to so many of my, my coworkers about this at ESPN, most of us are not qualified to really break down offensive line play and don't have a great understanding of what makes for a great offensive line. So even when the offensive line is a problem, unless you've got an expert sitting with you that played on the offensive line and truly understands the inner workings, you're looking at it and saying, got to be a quarterback issue. You know, that's just the, the way everything goes. So unfortunately, to your point, if the Raiders don't have a great offense this year, then Derek Carr won't be the future of the team by this time next year. It's, I, I just don't think that'll happen. I, if, if the Raiders have an Achilles heel, it's not going to be on the offensive side of the ball. It's certainly going to be on the defensive side. 
When you were talking there about Aaron Rodgers, and probably this is the last we'll you know, talk about this topic right now, but I feel like when you look at Devontae Adams leaving, it kind of maybe single signals the beginning of the end of an era. Where would you say that puts the Packers and their thinking going into this year without Devontae? Uh, the Packers have to believe that they have a quarterback that is so special that he can make anybody great. And that's what they've proven over and over and over again. I think Aaron Rodgers' greatness has been a liability for the construction of the roster for Green Bay for years. And it's just its one of those things where they say, we don't have to address this because we can find that production anywhere because we have Aaron Rodgers. And there are very few quarterbacks that you can say that about. I think to a certain extent, you can look at the Chiefs in our own division and say, okay, they were comfortable letting Tyreek Hill walk because they have Patrick Mahomes. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, you believe that you've got a guy that can make absolutely everybody around you better. So I think there's a real question that will be answered uh, or be asked for a generation uh, about whether or not the Packers ever got enough out of one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Much like, you know, I remember when I was a kid and everybody talked about Marino not getting a Super Bowl win and what a travesty that was because the Dolphins never did him right. Like, I feel like we'll be saying the same things about Aaron Rodgers if this ends and he only has one Super Bowl. And frankly, that's why the Packers have to remain all in on everything that they do. But it's also really weird to me, all that we have just decided that it's okay that Matt LaFleur, the head coach there, was able to burn his first real opportunity with the first-round draft pick on a quarterback that now is never going to play for the team. Like, that's a level of mistake in the first round for a championship contender. We rarely forgive, but we're so infatuated with Aaron Rodgers that we don't even look at the fact that the Packers wasted opportunities with draft picks for, for guys that are never going to see the field. That's why the Jordan Love thing to me is absolutely wild that it doesn't just get constantly brought up in the Green Bay conversation. And, the, and as the days and years go by where he doesn't play, Jordan Love's uh, stock continues to just drop, as well as probably the confidence in him with all the Packers teammates. So, hold on. Jason Fitz with us from Spain and Fitz Monday through Friday here on Raider Nation Radio. He's also Raider Nation's Grammy winner. Can I got to ask you the question on Hunter Renfro. Finally got paid on Friday. Got a new contract. What were your impressions of that new deal for Renfro? Uh, perfection. Yeah. Uh, and look, I'm not just saying this because I'm a homer. Uh, and and I'm, I'm gladly willing to admit that I am a homer. But uh, when you have a guy that you know that is going to be part of your future, when you have a building block in the NFL, you sign that building block early. You're better off signing somebody early than late. And that is, we've seen that over and over and over again because especially look at the production uh, at slot receiver. Look at what we all think Hunter's going to be able to do this year. And then look at the value of those contracts. So in the NFL right now, you got to look at it and say, if we've got a guy, we need to get that guy taken care of. I think that's part of why you saw Max taken care of early. You've seen Hunter taken care of early. You saw Derek Carr get a deal that was very team-friendly. I, I think this all speaks. And by the way, Hunter could have absolutely played hardball, played another year, had great production, and gone out and gotten a lot more money. And I, I kept thinking about my conversation with, with Max Crosby. I know we talked about it a bunch where – we got tattoos together, and yeah. as I talked to Max for hours, one thing that I asked him about last season, and, and he said, you know, after they lost to the Chiefs, they came into the locker room together, and they were like, hey, we can either fold or we can do something special. And he said there was a brotherhood to that locker room that was like nothing he'd ever experienced in football in his life. And I keep thinking about that brotherhood and what we've seen this year because I would argue that, again, Carr could have played things out much differently. He took a very team-friendly deal, which was surprising to me. Hunter signs earlier than he had to sign to get guaranteed money right now, but also gives the team a ton of flexibility. Devontae could have gotten more money 
So he comes into this atmosphere. But I, I think you're seeing a culture being built with the Raiders that says, hey, we're going to reward the people that have been here and been productive. We're going to reward the building blocks for the future. We'll do it early, and we're going to keep the camaraderie because that's the biggest challenge that nobody really wants to talk about for Josh McDaniels is you are replacing somebody in Rich Passaccia that that locker room stinking loved, loves, not even loved, loves. Like those guys still have relationships with him, and he did something special in bringing that team together. So you've got to find a way to keep that core together for the brotherhood of it also. So it's a, it, it's a huge win for the Raiders. It's a huge win for Hunter Renfro. He's somebody that's going to make a ton of money, but it's a culture and tone setter for the team building forward for the next three years. Jason, you mentioned uh, the brotherhood uh, aspect, and I think it, um, it 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 extends beyond you know the Raiders building. I think there's a brotherhood among professional athletes, and uh, I, I want to throw something at you uh, that that I took away uh, when we were talking to Devonte the other day uh, about his future in Green Bay and and you know coming here to the Raiders. And he brought up the conversations that he had with Aaron Rodgers, and you know we could say a lot about Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of adjectives to use. Uh, and uh, you know, in, in in describing him, and he kind of affects people in certain certain ways, not always positively. Um, but I took away this, Jason, and I want to run this by you. You know, when when given the opportunity to either be honest and frank with Devonte Adams about where Aaron stood with the Green Bay Packers and his future in Green Bay. Uh, he chose honesty. He could have told Devontae Adams anything he wanted to hear to keep him in Green Bay because it, it behooves Aaron Rodgers to have Devontae Adams on his team. It makes the Packers a better team. It makes him a better quarterback. It puts him closer to the Super Bowl. Yet, in that moment of truth, uh, Aaron Rodgers told Devontae Adams, look, man, I can't promise you that I'm going to be here beyond this year. You need to go make a decision that's based on your 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 career and yourself. Please take me out of it because I can't promise you uh, that I'm going to be here. Should he get credit for that frankness and that honesty? 100%. And, you know, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think I know you're right about the brotherhood with athletes. It's one of the things that really uh, has made my transition from music to sports uh, easier. I think that's one thing you can see and understand from the beginning. When you're living in the 1%, there is a brotherhood to that, uh, to the sacrifice it took to get there, to the way everybody's trying to build their business. No, it's not for everybody. Not everybody loves everybody that's been a professional athlete or is a professional athlete. But, man, when you're living in that world, it hits different. And look no further. Like, Raiders fans hate this example, but look no further than the pass rushing camps that you've got rival teams sitting there helping each other, players from rival teams saying, how can I make you a better pass rusher? And, you know, certainly Von Miller helping Max Crosby does not help either of their teams. But, my God, like, these are, these are human beings that know and understand the platform and the opportunity they have for Aaron Rodgers to be frank and honest, and it speaks to Aaron Rodgers treating somebody he obviously loves and respects with love and respect. And, you know, that, the one thing we've got to remember is, like, we, we as fans love the, the helmet, the shield. We love anything that ever has to do with the silver and black. And anytime somebody plays for the Raiders, they'll, they'll tell you, rightfully so, how much they, they, you know, how much hate's in their heart for the rival team. And that is, that is real. Like, if you play for the Raiders, you hate the Chiefs. That's very real. But that doesn't mean you hate the guys that play for the Chiefs. And we've got to start understanding that athletes as human beings uh, know each other, love each other. They understand the common sacrifice it took to get there. Like, there's a, a bond to all of this that is really, I think it makes the NFL a special place right now. I think it makes the NBA a special place right now. And, and we should be appreciative of that. I, I think uh, that Aaron Rodgers speaking, you know, frankly and, and truthfully, Devontae speaks to the understanding that these guys have of, 
what it means to be one of the very few that ever gets to play in the National Football League. And that is far more significant to every one of these athletes, former and current, than what team they play for is the fact that they are playing in this 1%. And I, I, I have mad respect for that. You're certainly not seeing any other Raiders players uh, make Demarcus Robinson an outcast as he's come into the wide receiver court. But uh, I wanted to see about your take on Hunter Renfro, somebody beloved by Derek Carr that is the favorite target of his and just getting that extension. And what kind of promise do you see out of Hunter Renfro for the Raiders with uh, Derek Carr and the core that they have now? I think this, this comes down to Josh McDaniels uh, as much as anything. And one thing we all know, uh, I went back and watched a bunch of games from last year to try and get a sense of what went wrong. Like, what could the Raiders improve on the most? And we all talked about constantly the red zone offense. But that, that's not just an execution issue. That, that was a play-calling issue last year. And, uh, we talked about ad nauseum the, the, some of the controversial play calls at the end of games where guys weren't even near the end zone. But, you know, you, you can look across the board and say, man, the Raiders last year, by the end of the year, did not have a true number one wide receiver they could rely on. Exactly. They had a tight end that was banged up, yep. and they had a slot wide receiver. And that was their only shot to try and get looks in the end zone. Defenses knew that. Now, I, I think Hunter Renfro has a huge chance to see his touchdowns go through the roof because you're going to have to figure out a way defensively. You're going to have to do some sort of a quarters where you, you eliminate the section of the field you think Waller and Devontae are going to, which is going to leave Hunter one-on-one. If the, if the offensive line can give Derek Carr any time there, I think Hunter uh, has an opportunity for touchdowns to go through the roof. Uh, the biggest challenge that Derek Carr is going to have this year is not keying in on any one guy. On every like, You're just going to have to accept that every snap is a new snap and a new opportunity to find somebody open, whoever that might be. And if he's capable of, of doing that, really spreading it around, man, I, I, I think – you could see a massive year from Hunter alongside with a massive year from Devontae, which is going to put Waller in a situation where, my God, he's just going to be, he's going to be cherry-picking the whole time. So, you know, I, I'm, I think all three of them are poised to have huge years. Jason Fitz here with us from ESPN's Spain and Fitz Monday through Friday and, of course, Raider Nation's Grammy winner. We love having you on, Jason. Thank you for your time. Can you believe we are 51 days away from the Hall of Fame game kicking off in Canton, Ohio? What do you got to get done before then? Uh, well, I mean, I got to get ready for college football season, too. Like, it is amazing how, how quickly it's all coming. I'll say this, Clay, and I don't say this lightly. You know that I never BS you on where I think this team's going to be. I haven't been this excited about a Raiders team since 2016, and that was an aberration. I haven't been this excited about a team going into a season since the Super Bowl era. And I think what we need to start accepting and like really acknowledging as, as fans is you got 51 days left to just feel the hope, like all the way. Let it run through your veins. Let yourself love because like it, it's hard when you've watched a lot of bad seasons. It's hard for all of us to get hopes up when it feels like they're dashed, but. Man, I've always been real about where I think this team is. And uh, this is, again, a top-five offense. And in today's NFL, offense wins early in the regular season particularly. I I think the Raiders have a real shot to do something special this year. And the number of times that I read and I see and I hear people talking about Super Bowl window, it just occurred to me the other day, like, I don't think we're acknowledging enough, like, the Raiders might be one of a pack of great teams in the AFC, but they are one of a pack of great teams in the AFC. 
And if, if things yes. bounce right, like I, I think you, you're allowed to love the Super Bowl. Like I, mm-hmm. I think this is a team capable of going to the Super Bowl this year, and I cannot believe I'm saying that. No, it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially True. with the Bengals going to make it. Yes. Bet it. Jason, love it, man. <laughs> I'm about bet it. <laughs> yeah, bet that money. Jason, have oh. a great day, man. We love it. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a great day, guys. Awesome stuff. Thank you, Jason. You too. Jason Fitz here was at Jason Fitz on Twitter. Yeah, just seven weeks and two days. It's going to go by. It's going to evaporate before your very eyes. I yeah. don't know what's going to happen to life in 50 days. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And then uh, we're back on that train. Yeah. And it's okay to embrace those expectations uh, like Jason obviously is. Uh, and I'll say this to Raider Nation. Whatever's happened in the past has no bearing, not even one iota, not even a little bit on what is possible in the future starting this year. I know that Raider Nation, some Raider Nation carries a lot of baggage into the season because they've been disappointed, but none of that disappointed disappointment uh, and underachieving and all of that has anything to do with what's going on right now. This roster, as Jason pointed out, is one of a handful of rosters that is capable of getting to the Super Bowl. Those are the facts. We're not guaranteeing that they're going to the Super Bowl uh, at all. But this is not going to be a straight talent situation like it has been in the past. The Raiders have closed the gap talent-wise with this roster. They can look teams in the eye honestly uh, from a talent-to-talent perspective. And now they got to get it done on the field. But the, 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 the days of, gosh, there's no way the Raiders are going to be able to compete with this team talent-wise are over. Yeah, nothing like this in the past. You're right. There's nothing that compares to it. In fact, um, if, if there's any reason to be excited about, look at all the you know the the transformation of certain positions. But you know, with a guy like Josh McDaniels who wants to win now and knows that he has to win now, there's an urgency there that's beyond just having a coach that has a bunch of years left on a contract. Josh wants to make sure that everyone forgets about what he used to do in New England under Bill Belichick. He's going to do it for himself. Right, and I think it's part in the fact that he also feels like he has a lot to prove Mm. himself as a standalone coach going into a new experience with a new team post-Denver. And I think even though that might be downplayed a little bit, I, I do think that to Josh McDaniels, that means something. It does mean something, but I don't think that that's what drives him. I think that uh, winning games is going to cure all of that. There's nothing he can really do to change the perception other than win. Right, exactly. Or <laughs> not just and, and not just that, but just, you know, stay true to himself, stay true to the lessons he learned uh, in Denver and make sure that those mistakes don't happen again. Everything else is going to take care of itself. But I don't think I don't get the sense, Heidi, that he's driven by God. I got to prove everybody wrong about what happened in Denver. I think he understands what happened in Denver, and if people want to accept that or not, that's all on them. But if he spends any uh, amount of time worrying about God, I got to change these people's processions, then he's lost. He's lost sight of what the real objective is here. All right, that's not exactly what I'm saying, though. What I'm saying is, I think that he does want to come back as a winning coach. Well, no, <laughs> he no wants doubt, to come no back and say, that. you know, this is what happened then. I'm a different person. Yeah. I want to prove to people that I can lead a team to playoffs and and lead them into winning games in the playoffs. And I think that that is important to him as much as he did have those experiences. He's also said. He needed to be better with people. I yeah. think that means something to him right oh, now. Oh, you're right. And Without he, question. And he knows he has to win because that's all that matters from where he was from mm-hmm. to where he is now. They all got to win. They all have to win. And there's, it's beyond perception. You're right. He has to go and win, Heidi. But the same thing for Derek Carr as if um, 
if when you go back to that question about Devontae Adams and, and making that comparison, and Fitz brought up the fact that it's like, well, could he at least match the production of Rodgers? Let's talk about that on the other side of what this year could be. It could be a breakout season for him. Could he at least match the output of what Aaron Rodgers could do? All that and more on the other side. It's Radio Nation Radio. Vinny, Heidi, and Clay. Let's go. Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Right. What about my Brian, Mick? Least you have Brian. I ain't had no pride. I ain't had nothing. Legs are going, everything is going. No one's getting them nothing. Guy comes up, offers me a fight. Big dude, want to fight the fight? Yeah, I'll fight the big fight. I wouldn't want to fight that big fight. I was going to have to I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that. And you want to be ringside and see it? Do you? You want to help me out? Help me out? Give me my face like that! Legs ain't working, nothing's working. They go, go on, fight the chair. Yeah, I'll fight him. Face kick. Yes, one of the... Uh... One of the great scenes in cinema history. You, you you learned everything you needed to learn about Rocky right there, right? <laughs> you you got backstory. You got the present tension. You got everything. And the best relationship with he and Mick. It's all right there. Loyalty. 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 And the he whole had place to, stinks. He had, to, <laughs> he had to get that off his chest, though. He did, too. He, he definitely put my had to stuff get that on Skid Row? Yeah. He definitely had to get that off his chest, but there was no uh, question that he was going to chase Mick down That's right. and say, let's get to work. Yo, Rock, I dig your locker. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you know there's nothing worse, guys, than living in chronic pain with little hope. And unfortunately, we all know far too many people that are in that exact predicament. But there's answers. We don't have to, just because we're getting older uh, and we start feeling some pain, feel like we got to be John Wayne and grit our teeth and, and bear with it. Those days are over. Uh, and the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers genuine relief, relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today or book an appointment online to ha- to, how to, to find out, I should say, how to live as pain-free a life as possible. Give them a call at 702-257-7246. We are on the Funk Tuesday morning tailgate here. Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, and myself, Clay Baker. We'll take your phone calls here at 702-365-9200. The Realty One Group listener line, 702-365-9200. Let's get out to North Las Vegas with Dark Side Don. Good morning, Dark Side. Hey, Dark Side. Hey, morning, morning. Hi, everyone? Good, thank Hi, you. Very good, good thank man. you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, first, I want to hit on Derek. A lot of us forget that with uh, uninspired Amari and an over-the-heel Crabtree, uh-huh. He, was in, he was in the MVP race. He was? You know, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I think that this is going to be a year that he's going to open up some eyes, man. I'm not a whole, I'm not a, like, I'm not a Derek Carr apologist or, you know, someone that just goes out of his net. But I do believe that he's more than a capable quarterback. I remember mm-hmm. I, I talked to Vinny a while back, and I told him um, that the problem with D.C. is that his floor and his ceiling is the same, right? It, it, and that's kind of like odd because you don't you, when you see somebody playing, you see you can say, okay, well their floor is this and and their ceiling is this. But what you see with with DC is that he 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 could be ultra good, but he could be ultra bad at the same time. And and for me, 
you know, it, it, it really depends on his, uh, on the team around him. And when we seen that he had even the minutest amount of talent, he put up numbers. So I, I honestly believe that, you know, he can put up the, the type of stats or the type of type of numbers that A-Rod can put up. He's definitely not never going to be A-Rod talent-wise, but as far as putting up the production, I think that he can. Um, as far as Josh McDaniels, uh, another thing that a lot of people forget, and I've touched on this before, he went to the playoffs. Yeah, he, he ended up, you know, leaving Denver 11-17, and 17, but he went to the playoffs and won a game against a, a no, 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 no. That was uh, Fox. Yeah, John, John Fox took over by that point. Yeah, John Fox replaced him in the second season, and then the next year they went with Tebow and beat the Steelers in that wild card. Okay, okay. okay that's what I'm, but, so that wasn't, that wasn't McDaniels that went there? That's correct. Today. Okay, so then that's my bad. I always thought right. that it was Josh that did that. All right, so I'll take that back. We'll just have to see where, where we go. As far as far because I always thought that that was a dude that did that. But it's, and then also I wanted to touch on the NBA joint, right? Yeah. I don't want I don't I don't want an NBA team in Vegas. What? No, I, I, I I'm gonna be, I'm gonna tell you why. I think that Vegas is a, is in a unique situation. I think that Vegas should continue to to do the extracurricular activities for the NBA. The 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 uh, Olympic stuff, mm-hmm. the the All Star Game, the, the summer league, you know, the G League, the summer league. I think that Vegas is in, in that unique spot to where they don't really not necessarily have to have a, a home team, but they can host NBA NBA events. This and maybe maybe because I'm a Lakers fan, but this has always been a Lakers city. Just like Vinny just uh, Vinny spoke about earlier about like Kareem breaking the record here in Vegas or. People can remember about how that one, that one dunk that Kobe had right before he ended up being Kobe at the Thomas Jefferson <laughs> preseason. Center, you know, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. you know, so, so, yeah. so, uh, it, this has always been, it, like I said again, it could be because I'm a Lakers fan, but this has always been a Lakers city. And then the extracurricular activities that the NBA hosts here is is one of a kind. No other city in the, in the, in the country could do what we do when it comes to those extracurricular activities for, for the NBA. Oh, okay, Don. I appreciate the so, call. Good points. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Clay, go ahead and uh, complete what you're going to well, say. Uh, it's an interesting thought, but, um, man, uh, it, it seems like almost an inevitability if there's two different uh, you know, uh, sports stars that have money around them and other investors that want to get something done, and there's two proposed arenas that are wanting to be built on Las Vegas Boulevard, uh, one from a former Rebel, uh, as well as LeBron and the Lewicki Group want to build something here so it seems like an inevitability that an arena and a team are coming yeah the and and i think my money would be on the uh the, the lywicki uh, project uh, over there on uh, blue diamond uh tim lywicki knows how to get things done he built staples center and I, I bring that up because staples center was uh where it where it is uh, was an eyesore nobody was going downtown <laughs> los angeles it was literally i don't mm-hmm. want to get too graphic but it was a drug-infested you-know-what hole. It really was. And everyone was like, what? You're going to build an arena there. It's never going to work. Nobody's ever going to go downtown. Nobody lives downtown, blah, blah, blah. Look at it now. Um, it's it's Downtown is a livable area. There's an entertainment district. There's exactly. things that people, and I, I tell this to people all the time, look beyond where your eyes can see and have an imagination uh, because there's great things that are possible, even though you can't see it at the present time. Uh, but Tim Laiwiki is one of those people that understands that concept uh, and has a vision. And I think that, um, you know, he's somebody that the NBA is, is well aware of and knows and has worked with before. 
my money would probably be on that on that project. I don't know how that lines up with LeBron and and you know uh, we're, we're talking about uh, now uh, other people are, are kind of jumping in, but somehow some way they'll get it figured out and hopefully with the right people. But I gotta say that you could still have the Olympic uh, stuff here. You could still have the summer league here, absolutely without question. Um, so I don't think you're going to sacrifice anything. You're only going to add something if you bring the NBA here. What would Floyd think if uh, Darkside got into that press conference yesterday, Heidi? And um, raised his hand with a well, question. Yeah, he really wasn't stating that it was going to be Las Vegas, although I think a lot of the impression would be that it could be here. Mm-hmm. I listened to it three times to make sure that he didn't say, I'm bringing it to Las Vegas, and he did not. And then he was asked about whether or not you know it would be in Las Vegas. He just kind of shined on the reporter and said, which was Ron Vidrill who texted in earlier, and he said, yeah, but you can cover all the games if it is here. <laughs> you know, So it wasn't sure. like he was saying it's definitively <laughs> happening here. Um, and that those were his talks, but it does seem like the interest is there, whether, you know, he's going to pair up with some people to do some sort of investment, but he seemed very, uh, I don't know, uh, just I'm sure that he was going to make it happen. My, my question is this, aside from Seattle, and I think that that's, that's on the horizon as well, where else, what other city right now just jumps off the screen at you as an NBA city? Las Vegas. <laughs> Just thinking. Yeah, exactly. Omaha. Yeah. And thinking. Omaha was a team. Kansas City's time. Yeah, no. Des Moines. Las Vegas is that global city the way. Des Moines. Flamingos. <laughs> a friend of mine worked at the Flamingo in security. He said one time uh, they got called up because a flamingo was uh, in somebody's room. Montpellier. They, they picked oh, it up and brought it into the bathtub. Augusta <laughs> Flamingos of Maine. Yes. That's a, yeah. We're going to put Banger Maine back on the map. <laughs> We're going to move the NBA there. The lobsters. Yeah, it's a global city. Vegas Kansas is City. Good. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that, I think that ship has sailed. It has. It, it totally sailed. And um, you got to really imagine that the NBA, even though as much as they're as bullish as they are about like, oh, we're not really thinking about expansion. Uh, he's already done that. You know, uh, the commissioner has already looked at how betting can help bring in revenue. He's already made an established mm-hmm. uh, foothold with the Vegas Summer League, which is kind of independent of the NBA. But the point is, is that they know there's a market for basketball and there's a market for season tickets. And in a town that really doesn't have a whole lot of money to spend uh, because the sports dollar is getting spread a little thin, they would spend their money. Oh, oh yeah, Montana. With, with, without a doubt, and plus, you, you also have to look at what's a, what's a growing city, what's a growing market. Are we going to be able to grow with it? A, a city like Kansas City, and no disrespect to Kansas City, but I, I would think that it's either already reached its ceiling or is now starting to drop down. You know, people exactly people move right. from. I'm sorry, but people move from cities like that. Fargo. That was the big argument with with St. Louis. Um, St. Louis was a city that was just sort of. Fallen and falling and fallen and 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 the Rams said, yeah, we're, we don't want to be part here, part of this anymore. It, oh, it, they it, were done. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So um, Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> oh, right. I'm just throwing out. Some Remember when Omaha got that UFL team, the Storm, uh, uh, yeah. the Nighthawks, or something like? Oh, we'll have plenty of people here from the base who are going to go to all the games. Oh, I'm sure the base is going to do it. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We got more calls, and Marcus Johnson is going to join us at nine o'clock here on Raider Nation Radio. Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on RNR 920 AM. Be part of the show. Text us on the Salmon Ash text line. Text the keyword RNR followed by your message to 69187. Clay, it's got to be funky. Yeah. One, two, three, make it funky. Make it funky. Huh. Make it funky. 
On the Raider Nation Radio. It's a Funk Tuesday. Maceo! On Raider Nation Radio, Vinny, Heidi, and Clay. We got time for a call before we hit the break at the top of the hour because Marcus Johnson is going to join us. But before we hit Marcus, I'm going to give everyone a chance to win that $150 dining card for the Father's Day Feast from Fogo Day Shown. But first, to the windswept Rocky Mountain Chalet of Papa Meach. Good morning, Papa. Hi, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Uh, Heidi, we, we've got to, I'm going to talk Raiders, but we got to talk a couple seconds on our Warriors. Oh, let's go. Oh, my gosh. So here's how I've got them so far. And I'm not trying to be presumptuous, but if okay. we win the series, mm-hmm. I got Curry for the MVP. Okay. But if, you know, Wiggins keeps on coming through, here's how I have the players as far as I think, the, you know, the, the best to and ranking him. Curry, Wiggins, Looney, Clay, Green, Porter, and Poole. That's how I have him ranked right now. Okay. And, and um, I, I'm telling you, here's the key to the game, I think. I, I know that Steve Kerr will have these guys ready. He's not going to say, hey, don't fall back on the old thing. Well, well, we'll go and beat them at home because they lost a game seven at home already uh, to the Cavaliers, and, and they don't want to relive that again. Right. So I think he's going to have them ready. And if we play them close, and I thought our defense absolutely starting the game was excellent, the best in all the games. If we get into fourth quarter and it's crunch time, and the pressure's going to be on them, and they already are wilting under, under the pressure in the fourth quarter. I think we're going to win that game because if we keep the pressure going, and they know every shot they take, if they don't make it, they're out. Yep. I think that's going to be so much pressure on them if we keep the game close going into the fourth that we'll win in Boston. Can't close them. Can't close them out. As of the Celtics have been with shaky width as those four quarters, even some of the third quarters when they come in after half. It's like what they do. They have a blanket and a nap of chocolate milk and read Dr. Seuss before they came back out in the court. It's like <laughs> they look sluggish. Right. They look sluggish. There's a couple was that game uh, three or yeah, game three, I think, that they came back looking kind of sluggish in the third, maybe two. I can't remember anymore. But uh, they, they space them out so far apart. I'm like game to game, literally, until Thursday. Just got to be worried about this. This is the thing that you got to be concerned of. The Golden State Warriors just reeled off two straight wins. You can easily see the Boston Celtics winning two straight games. Yeah, in fact, they're favored to win the next. Yeah. Uh, not the seventh, I don't think, on the futures. But if you look on the futures for the sixth game, they're definitely favored. And the Warriors being a plus 240 is what they put them at on the money line. And as Hello. somebody that worked yeah. for the Lakers back in the 80s when uh, they, they went up on the Boston Celtics, and I think when it was 1985, and everyone was talking about James Worthy being the possible MVP. Yeah, the Celtics came back and won that series. So just... Cool it with the MVP talk, you guys. Unless well, you're, Wiggins is, I think. So, I mean, yeah, no doubt about it. But, but let win, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Warriors win. I think it's you know Wiggins has got a decent shot. I think Steph is the, still the favorite. Um, but like overall, and you look at any uh, futures right now, Steph is still the favorite, leading all of the other players, including the Celtics in the field. And lots can happen in two games. Papa, no, I, I agree with you, Vinny. And I said I'm not trying to be presumptuous. I'm just rating the players. Yeah, who yeah, I yeah. think you know might be aligned. One last go ahead thing. I agree with you, Papa. Yeah, summation <laughs> on the Raiders, sir. Uh, but one last thing, and that is, did you know that there's a Clay impersonator who paid ten thousand dollars, and he's known for impersonating other events too. He got through security, and he was doing warm-ups for 10 minutes until 
he was caught um, uh, being a Clay impersonator. He looked just like Clay, a little bit heavier, and he was kicked out of the game, and his, he's uh, barred from ever coming to another game at Chase Center. That happened last night. That's crazy. Oh, I love it. Thanks, Papa Meach. Appreciate it. What about the Conor McGregor lookalike? You've seen him at a few Raider games. Remember, oh, yeah. He would be uh, in Oakland out, out on one of the end zones, and it's like, you know what? At first look, you're like, wait a minute, wait no. a minute, wait a minute. But then you're like, wait, the body type's off. And then, yeah have some of the charisma it's not just about wearing sunglasses and looking like you might be him you gotta <laughs> if you don't have that it, it's so easy for me to spot because there's a it's air about conor mcgregor when he walks out and takes the stage or anything that he does when he's in motion he's got like a strut to him when he said clay I thought he was talking about Clay, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. A he Clay he impersonator, too. right? It took me a second to realize he was talking about Clay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine anybody trying to do this look? Like how sad and pathetic your life is? Out like, of the court you know shooting. Like, right, right. Stop. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> Man, I got to start eating There's some stuffed a, crust a, pizzas a, and getting shape. <laughs> <laughs> a Clay impersonator is a real thing? I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's, but. Yeah, perhaps on Halloween. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. Our good friend Marcus Johnson joins us next. But I want to give you a chance to win a, a $150 dining card for Fogo Day Shown. Don't let pops cook on Father's Day. Try and discover the new foods you can't get anywhere else. We'll bake color number nine here at 702-365-9200, the Realty One Group listener line. You can win a $150 dining card. Hook pops up for Father's Day. It's this weekend. Reservations available at Fogo.com. Welcome to What's Next at Fogo de Shone on Raider Nation Radio. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.